Matt Sullivan here to remind you to stop putting screens on your gutters. Better to schedule a free estimate with the local experts at Gutter Helmet so you stay off the ladder. Visit GutterHelmetIndy.com. With Gutter Helmet, you'll never clean your gutters again. GutterHelmetIndy.com. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Stop calling your arms guns. Oh, yeah. You know what time it is, baby. It is Monday Gun Day with 2A attorney, firearms instructor, and one of the finest Americans you're ever going to meet, Guy Relford. Guy, how are you? Man, I'm great. And thanks as always to our sponsor for Monday Gun Day, Premier Arms in Brownsburg. With the largest selection of new, used, and historic firearms in the Midwest, and PA Jewelers located right there in the store. Check them out at 3754 South Green Street in Brownsburg or premierarms.com. A lot of stuff to get to here, but let's start in Broad Ripple because, yeah. you know, a couple weeks ago, there was a horrible weekend, multiple people shot and killed. Joe Hogsett's reaction like always, is to try to figure out a way to make it a gun-free zone. Oh, yeah. He's encouraging local promoters to do these events, and if it's a local promoter doing it, they've basically got the green light to set the rules of engagement. And if they want to make it a gun-free zone, technically they could. Well, there was a lot of questions going on about it. It sounds like, and again, tell me what you're hearing, that that's not going to be happening in Broad Ripple. Well, it's interesting because you're right, Jason, and you set it up very well. You know, the the city of Indianapolis uh, can't make broader political gun-free zone, right? Because we have the Indiana Firearms Preemption Act, says local governments can't regulate firearms, including the carrying of firearms. So the way they can get around that is to have a an organizer or promoter of an event, a private event. Um, the lease property from the city, and then then under the Preemption Act, they can make that a gun-free zone. So we all speculated that that's what they were going to do there. They were going to somehow barricade off sections of Broad Ripple, however they could logistically accomplish that, which is unclear, and then say we're having an event, quote-unquote, that some organizer or promoter is handling, and we can make that a gun-free zone, and the city, through IMPD, can help if that's the case. But you know, it's real questionable because doing business, you know, as a bar or a restaurant every Friday and Saturday night in Broad Ripple is not having an event, right? Right. I mean, that's just trying to, you know, shoehorn yourself into an exception that doesn't apply. And and that's why I, for instance, went out publicly and said, if this goes through the way it sounds like it's going to, you got a lawsuit under the Preemption Act on your hands. Well, since then, what's interesting, the most recent announcements we saw was Wednesday night from the uh, Broderpool Village Association, and they announced a couple of things. They, first of all, they're going to they're gonna voluntarily close all the bars and businesses at one instead of three that a lot of bars were staying open until. And then they actually said, we're going to cut back on, if not eliminate, the use of private promoters to host events in Broderpool. And I read that and I said, they have to have private promoters in order to do this gun-free zone right. uh, proposal. That tells me, and again, I'm speculating because we haven't seen anything definitive on this. And, of course, the mayor's office, since making their tough guy announcement where Joe Hogs had had a Sunday presser where he's like, we're going to make this a gun-free zone. Well, it didn't happen. He said, we're going to do this within days and it'll go into effect this weekend. Well, it didn't go into effect this weekend. And now they're talking about not using organizers or promoters for events at all, which means... 
They can't shoehorn themselves into that exception in the Preemption Act. So it sounds like they've backed off of the gun-free zone. And again, a little speculation on my part. I think they've backed off on that in lieu of shutting down earlier, hoping hoping now, though, the bad element doesn't show up late at night. Because the shooting you referenced where four people got shot, three died, was at 2 a.m., you know, right there on the street. They're saying, okay, we're going to close earlier. Hopefully that'll have a, a better result. But it's interesting to me because they apparently have backed off on so-called gun-free zone. And it sounds like, to me, this was being pushed by the bar owners and business owners of Broad Ripple because this was the decision that they made. Right. According to the folks that we spoke to on this show, this was a unanimous decision. Number one, they're going to close at 1 o'clock, so they're not the scapegoat for anything that happens in Broad Ripple after that because they feel like they're being unfairly uh, targeted by a certain mayor in an election year. Number two, this construction they've got with these fences, it's basically making fish in a barrel in there. It's even hard for the police to come in and do things. So these business owners who have been screwed over by the city, not only from a construction standpoint, but they're kind of getting a finger wagging. Because if you remember that press conference, oh, yeah. Hogsett made it sound like there was a bunch of business owners who were responsible for this in Broad Ripple. There may have been a few. I'm sure there are you know a few bad owners, but for the most part, Everybody wands, everybody checks when you go in there. They feel like they're being made the scapegoat. So the last thing they're going to do is try to give Joe Hogsett some sort of victory here. Well, and to your point, the shooting that that motivated a lot of this, obviously there's been a lot of violence in Broderable for a lot of years, right? There have been robberies and other shootings. There have been rapes. There have been a lot of horrible crimes committed in Broderable, usually late at night. But the shooting we're talking about that really sort of seemed to make this thing surge forward was... In the middle of the street, at 2 a.m., the street is not a bar owner's responsibility. That's public property. What, who's responsible for crimes that happen right out on a city street? Uh, you know, there you go. There's right. a hint there. <laughs> right out on a city street or sidewalk outside a bar, who's responsible for that? And that's why scapegoating the business owners is completely out of line. Guy Relford with us. It's Monday Gun Day here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, Guy, do you have any advice for college students or parents of college students who are about to be moving away into a house near or even on campus, but they don't want to be a sitting duck and leave their firearms behind, especially young women who are concerned for their safety? Uh, Because usually universities frown on these types of things. Yeah, it's such a great question, Chris. And and listen, it's something I've been focused on for a while. We've actually tried to pass legislation in Indiana uh, to uh, forbid at least uh, state-sponsored schools, uh, public schools, colleges, from prohibiting guns on their campus or in their buildings. And that we haven't gotten that through the General Assembly. So... What, what 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 exists right now is that if a college or university wants to ban firearms, private or, or public university, state-sponsored or otherwise, um, they want to ban firearms on their campus, they can do that. And most do, right? And so what that means is if you're a student and you violate that policy, you can be expelled. If you're um, a staff member, a professor, a teacher, whatever, you can get fired. And if you're a visitor, you can get thrown out. Um, so a couple of issues is if you're on campus, you got to be worried about violating that policy that can get you in trouble. In fact, get you expelled. I had a heartbreaking, heartbreaking uh, case. A guy called me 
And the kid, he called and he said, yeah, I'm not sure what's going on. I'm supposed to have some kind of disciplinary hearing. He was a senior at IUPUI. He'd already been admitted to grad school. This kid wanted to be, um, uh, he wanted to be a PhD and he, and he had great grades and he'd been admitted to school. He was within weeks of graduating. And he said, my car was stolen out of a IUPUI public garage on campus. And I had a gun. I had a Glock 19 in the car. And I wanted to be responsible, so when I reported the gun, the car stolen to campus police, I told police there was a gun in my car at the time. He goes, now I have a, a disciplinary thing coming up, and they're talking about expelling me. Can they do that? Is that oh. legal? And not only did I have to tell him, and a poor kid was in tears by the time we got off the phone, I said, they can do that. And, and I hate to say this, brother, but they probably will. And they did. They expelled this kid weeks from graduation who had already been accepted to grad school. So that's the kind of ramifications that we're talking about. The other thing that you need to be concerned about is that while the Second Amendment you know, protects you against government institutions, it doesn't help you against landlords. So if you're going to, for instance, rent a house or even an apartment, right. your lease can say you can't have a gun in here. And a lot of the housing and even the houses, you know, a lot of the, they take these houses and, and split them, you know, top and bottom and rent each side out to college kids. Um, a lot of times those leases say you can't have a gun. So you got to worry about violation your le- violating your lease and potentially getting thrown out. So all those things boil it down to it's just a risk-benefit analysis because, yeah, I can get expelled. Yeah, I can get thrown out of my house or my apartment. Um, but I have to make that decision in terms of whether I'm willing to give up my ability to protect myself. And your point about women, Chris, is so important, and I'm glad you raise it because but most college campuses won't even let people carry mace or OC spray. You know, something is, uh, you know, as helpful potentially as in a potential rape. And I'm sorry, rape is a problem on college campuses. There's a big problem with rape and sex assaults. Yes. As much as they want to hide it and not report on it, it's a huge problem. And, and, and we were not even allowing young women to do that. So, so it's a, it's a completely flawed situation right now. And it's an important question that you're really smart to raise, but I think it's a risk benefit analysis to say, sit down with your parents and say, look, this is the decision I'm making and it's got these potential ramifications. I'm going to be smart about it, but it comes right down to it. You know, I'm not going to be the victim of a crime and I'll, I'll bear the consequences or to say, no, you know, I'll make other provisions. I'll make other, uh, you know, arrangements for my safety. But that's what we're facing, unfortunately, today on college campuses. Monday, gun day, Guy Relford with us. It's Monday, gun day, Guy Relford with us. Guy, you just got back from the National School Resource Officers Convention. These are the police officers in schools around the state, around the country, that are supposed to be taking care of the students. Yep. What did you find out? Well, I'll tell you what, I got invited, because obviously I'm not a school resource officer or a um, school administrator, and that really is who this conference was for. But this is a national organization that had their annual meeting here in Indy um, this week. And, and I was fortunate enough to get uh, invited to attend one particular presentation yesterday afternoon. And this was done by a guy, uh, uh, Lieutenant Colonel, retired, uh, Ed Monk. And he's now been a police officer for 14 years after having a long distinguished career as a, a combat military officer. Uh, and then being a school teacher for a few years. Then he became a police officer. But while he was a, a school teacher, um, he, he got educated on on his particular school's uh, active shooter policies. And there were the things like, you know, herd all the kids into a corner and have them, you know, crouch and wait. And he said, this is the dumbest 
thing I've ever heard of. That literally they're they're sitting here, you know, all bunched together where some bad guy comes in here with a gun. Um, that makes it easier for the bad it, it guy. Literally, it, it, it's like doing everything you can to help the active shooter. And he, and what what that spurned then is that it was spurred then is that he spent f- last fifteen years doing this incredibly detailed study of every school shooting, in fact, every mass shooting in America, but focusing on school shootings. And this guy's a cop, right? And he came in and he said, listen, let me tell you what the inescapable results of of my um, research has been. And and it was really compelling. And he he went through all the data on all the school shootings. And, you know, not only guns involved, um, but um, how they made entry and all these different factors. He said, here's the bottom line. He said, if if an active shooter comes into to your school, and because he's talking to school resource officers and school administrators, right? He said, unless you have an individual prepared and capable to deliver vicious, violent, brutal, deadly force to that shooter within the first thirty seconds after they walk in and start shooting, he said, you're going to have double digit casualties every time. It's inescapable absent uh, some kind of a malfunction of the gun or whatever. We're talking about someone who's there in a position to hear or see the first shots that has to be able to deliver deadly force to, 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 to that perpetrator within the first 30 seconds, or else the data, the history, clearly says that you're going to suffer double-digit casualties. So if you're not willing to be prepared in that respect... Like the Parkland school resource officer what clearly wasn't prepared. Because people say, oh, well, we have a school resource officer. Well, there was a school resource officer at Parkland. There was a school resource officer at Columbine. And he goes all the way down through it. And 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 he and even said, he, he and this is all based on, on data. This is not opinion. It's not politics. It's not, it, it's just pure data. It's just facts. He goes, it's all about math and time. Math and time is, we know how many people they can shoot and kill within a, a certain period. It doesn't matter the gun. Some of the worst shootings ever, Virginia Tech, the most, the most, the most brutal and 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 the worst fatalities as far as um, 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 the worst shooting as far as fatality goes in, the, in in school shooting history in America was done with two handguns. Doesn't matter the gun. It doesn't matter anything else. It's about math and time, which is once they are in the school, you have to end that shooting in the first thirty seconds. So you got double digit casualties. Every time, be prepared. And if you're not willing, and people say, oh, well, you know, I don't want my kids to go to school in an environment that, you know, that has guns or that feels like a prison or whatever, then okay, you're saying you're okay. If there's a shooting at your school, you're going to have minimum double-digit casualties. You're accepting that, bottom line. And it was the most compelling presentation on these issues I've ever seen because there was no politics involved. There really wasn't. It was all about here are the, tr- the facts that are inescapable from examining every school shooting in and this country. And sometimes the facts history. are uncomfortable. And, oh, like and facts then, don't always have to be pleasing to people. Sometimes facts can be uncomfortable. And, and you know, and it even started with something that was really compelling to me. And I had lunch with him before his presentation. It was a three-hour presentation. Um, but I had lunch with him beforehand. He goes, yeah, I'm going to make some, some people really uncomfortable with this. And he didn't get into any details, but it started off with this. He said, and he's again, he's talking to school administrators and school resource officers. He goes, if you're talking about a plan to keep kids safe in your school from a shooting, from a mass shooting, he goes, you have to start with this premise. You first have to acknowledge that the world is not as you wish it was. You have to start from that. You have to acknowledge that the world is a brutal place where, yes, there is evil that exists, and that evil may someday come into your school and try to murder as many kids as possible. You can try to wish that away if it's based on hope, um, it's based on optimism. I'm sorry, that's, that's unrealistic and will get kids killed. 
And, 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 and once you acknowledge, yes, there is evil in the world, and that evil may come to our school someday, your only plan that will prevent double-digit casualties is to have someone available and willing within 30 seconds to deliver vicious, brutal, deadly force to that threat. And that's the bottom line. And, and I was just blown away by the whole thing because it was, it was the most, you know, you can tell if you're looking around and you've got a room full of cops and school administrators and they're looking at each other like, and they couldn't dispute the facts. The data is the data. Right. And, 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 but they, 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 they were looking around at each other and said, man, my world just changed. And it should. And it, I, I put on social media that I think every school administrator and school board member in America ought to hear this presentation because it is incredibly compelling. If anybody wants to continue this conversation, where do they go? Uh, at Guy Relford on Twitter is a good way to get a hold of me, at Guy Relford.